Blog Talk Radio. everyone and welcome to the 475th an- uh, edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team and other fabulous moments. You get your daily reading from me and other writers over at onceametro.com and the rest of the SB Nation family of soccer websites. Come on in. The chat room is open. Talk amongst yourselves if you like. You have a question for me. I'll try to answer it to the best of my ability. Today, this is what gets me excited. This is what gets me happy. This is what makes me feel positive about the attempts to produce, to pump up, and and to discuss about why MLS is important. And at the same time, if I can just say this, at the same time, we should be grateful for those who have bought into this league, that believes in this league, that believes in moving forward and making it special. You know, when the Columbus crew was owned by a certain person who, I admit, I didn't like what he did. I admit, I didn't like uh, his tactics trying to move the Columbus crew into Austin. Of course, Mr. Precourt was going to do that. All I can say is is that with Mr. Anthony Precourt, you know, you, you finally got your own soccer team. And, you know, very happy that he relinquished his control of the Columbus crew so that the rightful owners would take over and look what they're doing. They're getting ready to build. They're about to build a brand new stadium in downtown Columbus for the crew, which would definitely make that row of sports arenas and stadiums fabulous. But to see an ownership group of Anthony Precourt, an actor in Matthew McConaughey, to have that man become part of the ownership group of Austin FC was really a stroke of genius because we always talk about the sports stars in the NFL, in the NBA, in the NHL, in Major League Baseball that want to be a part of MLS. And, of course, those players that became owners, like David Beckham, of course. 
David Beckham, now a part owner of, of course, Inter Miami FC. We've also have seen, um, just in recent news, a member of the Brooklyn Nets having an ownership of the Philadelphia Union. You know, you can't just, you know, stand back and just say, wow, this is great. This is interesting. This is wonderful. And today on Twitter, you know, you're mucking about, you're looking up things, you want to take a look and see what's going on, you know, you're trying to stay up to date with certain moments. And then there it is, originally posted by FC Cincinnati. Now, I'm assuming MLS has it on their Twitter page. But to see Matthew McConaughey talking about Major League Soccer, talking about MLS and the 25 years this league has been around, longer than the North American Soccer League, and nothing against the original NASL. I wish they were, you know, the Division One League. I know they came back as Division Two League, but the truth is. If they didn't disappear, we'd still have them as a Division One league. The advertisement of seeing the advertisement of seeing MLS with Matthew McConaughey discussing it is just absolutely brilliant. Brilliant. Wonderful. Because you have this gentleman not only involved in the game, but involved in the game in this country. Having him involved and giving a speech, the only way he knows how, to give you the fire but showing a calmness. The only way he can do it. He doesn't have to yell it. He doesn't have to scream it. He doesn't have to just stand there and act like an American football coach in college. It may be the twang in his voice, but I'm telling you right now, this man delivered probably the best script to celebrate 25 years of Major League Soccer and to restart the season on August 20th, I am completely in shock. I was excited. I had fire in my belly. And look, I understand that maybe it's not good to restart this season because the pandemic is still out there. There are certain markets out there that are not solid enough but, you know, if we can just continue to social distance, and I think we're going to have to sacrifice our time by not going to the games live. Leave it alone. Watch from home. Watch from your computer or your web-enabled devices this year. But the truth is, if you go to MLS's website on Twitter, excuse me, MLS's Twitter page, 
If you go to MLS's Twitter page, and this was done 11 hours ago, might be a little bit later now. It's from MLS. It says 25 years deep and just getting started. You know, the way that Matthew McConaughey delivered that script. Who else? Who else would do this but him? Who else but Matthew McConaughey, co-owner of Austin FC, as they're about to get ready to come into this league in about a year or two? This was absolutely fantastic. This was just an amazing masterpiece of how you are going to bring in supporters, not just for your own club that's going to start in about a year or two, but but to bring back everyone else who roots and supports the revolution, the union, Real Salt Lake, the earthquake, the Sounders, the Timbers, FC Dallas, the Dynamo, Sporting Kansas City, the Fire, the Crew, FC Cincinnati, DC United, NYCFC, and the New York Red Bulls, Inter Miami, Atlanta United, Minnesota United FC, Orlando City. This, my friends, gets your blood and your juices pumping. This was unbelievable. Sheer masterpiece. This, my friends, is something that I love and I was excited. I was very excited. This is something that I could not wait to get my uh, to get my hands on and shall we say. But you know what? It's all going to restart very shortly. It's all going to get underway next week, August 20th. We're going to have rivalry matches, six matches uh, so far, and the rest of the rest of the returning schedule will be out very shortly. But all I can say is is that this situation that we are in this situation currently it's not the best it's not brilliant it's not fantastic but i i would like to think and some of you will disagree with me and that's fine i'm i'm not looking for an argument this is just my opinion this is just my belief but in all honesty i believe we need to get this thing back and running now, if it's not possible because of maybe things will pop up again and more cases will pop up, then if it has to be shut down, then so be it. Then so be it. If we can keep the protocols going, if we can keep the distances going, if we can try and minimize infections, then I think we've done our job. And I think MLS has done their job. 
But once again, all of this must be done properly. If MLS has been successful with their bubble in Orlando at the Walt Disney World Resort Complex in Lake Buena Vista, Florida, just outside of Orlando, if they have done the job to make everyone safe, I would like to think they're going to do the job here and go forward. Now, let me just say this, and as I move forward here, um, for those that are not aware, and I just would like to uh, say this to my Canadian friends, um, I, I have to say that I am very excited what's going to happen in Canada with one soccer that's the television channel up in Canada that will be that are, has been broadcasting soccer, and uh, not just for uh, their Canadian Premier League, but of course for uh, Canadian national team, the uh, the Voyagers Cup, which is kind of like the FA, their Canadian FA Cup, also Liga MX, uh, the Concacaf Nations League. The Canadian men's and women's national teams, the, uh, which is the Canadian Championship, I should say. Of course, the Voyagers Cup is the Canadian Championship Cup, and also the Gold Cup too. But I'm very glad to see the lineup that they're going to have to broadcast soccer in Canada. And one of the members, of course, is Craig Forrest, who I completely love and respect. Uh, one of the better analysts uh, in television. Uh, in Canadian soccer, I, I respect the man, wonderful job, but the, someone else that I've learned, uh, not shouldn't say learned, but I've met my one time, uh, one or two times we've met uh, at Red Bull Arena when he was covering the Canadian men's national team in the first match uh, of the Gold Cup tournament back in 2017, James Sharman. James Sharman, uh, who was a part of Rogers Sportsnet, uh, no more, he has... Um, of course, out of a job since, of course, I guess Dawson has taken over MLS coverage. Now he's a part of uh, One Soccer, and I'm very happy for him. Uh, hardworking man as well. So it's just one of those things where um, I'm just very grateful, very grateful for James Sharman to uh, get uh, it back into the swing of things. And uh, good luck to One Soccer up in Canada. And I really believe. They're going to do a fine – they've been doing a fine job, as I've heard. But you know what? With all the people they have now, I like to think they're going to be doing a much better job going forward. And ladies and gentlemen, it's time to talk some turkey. It's time to talk some business, and that is broadcasting tournaments in Europe, obviously the UEFA Champions League and the Europa League, as CBS Sports has taken over from Turner Sports and – why not have these men talk about uh, all of this from World Soccer Talk? Once again, Carter Krishnar joins me for the first time, of course. Uh, Bob Williams from Sport Business joins me. Gentlemen, good evening. Um, first, I'd like to go to Kardik. You know, Kardik, CBS Sports, you know, surprisingly, when they won the bid originally to take over for Turner uh, Sports after their three-year deal was supposed to be over, 
And, of course, the whole pandemic put a, a monkey wrench into that three-year deal for Turner. They have taken over, and it's like night and day. They have done a fabulous job so far. Yeah, Daniel, uh, great to be with you again. I think uh, it's, it's kind of a back-to-basics approach. What we saw with Turner was they wanted to appeal to a specific demographic, and I had had uh, several uh, – conversations with Travis Recchi, who was their producer at Turner, the soccer producer, and I think they meant well. They had felt like they were going to appeal to kind of a millennial demographic and a lot of people who may not normally watch uh, English language coverage of soccer. And that's why you had kind of the funky graphics, the, uh, the lifestyle features and pregame shows, the uh, de-emphasis of, uh, uh, of even showing uh, pre-match uh, conversations with the managers and, and with the players, uh, the emphasis of discussions of tactics. Uh, although Turner's coverage was never very consistent. I mean, in fact, I think maybe the very best day of coverage they had in their year and a half of, of, of covering European football was their very last uh, post-match show right as uh, COVID was hitting. Atletico Madrid had eliminated Liverpool uh, and uh, uh, PSG had eliminated uh, Borussia Dortmund from the tournament, and I think that night was probably their best post-match show. They talked a lot about the pandemic. They talked about, a lot about perhaps uh, disruption to uh, the European uh, competition, and then that was it. And I think um, they tried to be too edgy, mm-hmm. and, they, and they, uh, they just weren't very successful. So uh, CBS, back to basics, and I, and I really like uh, what we saw this week, both in coverage of the Europa League and in coverage of the Champions League, and I know we'll get into that in a few minutes. No, we definitely will. And, Bob, if I can just go to you for a second. Obviously, you're originally from England. I mean, we all know how important the Champions League is, Uh, not just, of course, uh, the clubs that are a part of it that have qualified uh, every single, uh, you know, off-season before uh, we even get to all the regular seasons all over Europe. But still, though, uh, this is one of the most prized possessions of football club tournaments uh, in the world not just, of course, the Champions League, but the Europa League as well. And, you know, here in the States, you've seen, you know, firsthand how important production work goes into when you handle a property like this. Yeah, well, the Champions League is the best of the best, right? The matchups that you get Real Madrid against Manchester United or Manchester City against Borussia Dortmund. Now, these are the best teams and you want the best coverage. And what we've seen with CBS is, is just so impressive, just from top to bottom. And the most impressive thing about it is that not only is it, is it a lot better than Turner's production, you know, and some may say that's not very hard, but there's two important things there. One, CBS are essentially newcomers to soccer broadcasting in the States. They covered the NWSL this year, and they, I think they did a really good job with the NWSL Challenge Cup. But essentially, you haven't really covered CBS uh, soccer since the 60s and the 70s uh, as a main broadcaster, apart from a brief moment when they covered the uh, renewed NASL. And here's the thing. They were, as, you, as you mentioned, they were due to cover the Champions League from the 2021-22 season, then Turner gave it up. And so they had literally just weeks to put together uh, a roster of an analysts, reporters, some commentators, package it together across all their different uh, platforms. 
And what we've seen is that people are really engaged with this. And I think this is the start of, of, you know, they've gone in now for four and a bit years. So I think the Champions League coverage, European soccer coverage, Europa League, they've got the Super Cup, the new Conference League. I think European uh, soccer coverage is, is in safe hands for the next few years in the States. I'm really impressed. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Cardiff, I have to admit, um, I was a little nervous myself because I'm thinking to myself, and while you, I agree that Turner had good intentions, the truth is, though, Cardiff, um, I mean, it was quite comical the way they broadcast. And at the same time, when they first started this, you know, you had Kate Abdo with, um, you know, Tim Howard, Aguchi Onyewu in one studio, and then you had Stu Holden with Steve Nash. Now, we all know Steve Nash, Canadian, um, and he is a soccer fan. He did grow up with the sport, but the truth is, is that he was a professional NBA player for basketball, which, you know, I understood why they brought him in, but still many would be like, well, why should we believe in him when he's been a professional NBA player? In another studio, and then you see them interacting with each other through cameras, and it's like, I never understood why that you had to have five people, three in one studio, two in another, and then you're interacting with each other. I never understood that demographic, or at least that type of quirkiness for a uh, pregame, postmatch, and halftime show. Right, and you can have dual hosts. CBS showed this week uh, on their CBS HQ streaming platform, they had dual hosts and Poppy Miller, uh, who those of us who watched USL for the last few years are very mm-hmm. familiar with, and Ian Joy, who I, I count as a personal friend, and uh, he, he had kind of tipped me off uh, last week that he was going to have a new assignment. He knew something was going to happen real soon, and it was this. They were able to do the transitions very well. Same thing with the main CBS studio that we saw on CBS Sports Network and on All Access with, uh, with, with Kate Abdo and Alex Scott. So this comes back to production. This comes back to kind of institutional commitment to producing it in a professional manner because you can do the dual host thing. Now, obviously, Alex uh, and Scott yep. and Kate Abdo are on site in the same studio, but there's still transitions. There's still things that have to be produced properly, and there has to be a flow to the show. And they did that very, very well. And I think when you look at what CBS did, they went and talked uh, – spoke with IMG and made the decision to work with IMG out of their studio in London. Uh, for those of you who did, did, did not know this, but I think everybody still kind of assumed IMG was producing UEFA's uh, uh, World Feeds and their Champions League uh, studio programs. They're not anymore. UEFA has taken a lot of that in-house. I think the magazine program, uh, the Champions League weekly program, is still produced by IMG. But that left a lot of talent. Um, and, and also ITV losing the rights in the U.K. to BT Sport uh, two years ago. That left a lot of talent open. And we know Clive Tilsley had just been released by ITV uh, very mysteriously, and, and we saw his emotional um, response to that on Twitter, the video he posted. And then Peter Drury, who to me is arguably the best English-language commentator of the sport right now. I mean, there's deep competition with the likes of Martin Tyler and John Champion and others, but uh, I love Peter Drury. Being able to get both of these guys as your match commentators is taking the coverage of not only this competition, but the sport of soccer to a level in the United States that we probably haven't seen, at least mm-hmm. just strictly from a match commentary standpoint. Those are amazing hires and incredibly impressive. And I know Bob can speak to this. In the U.K., there are people very impressed that CBS was able to hire 
uh, Drury and Tilsley. It, it's made news over there as well. Yeah, I mean, I think Clive Tilsley, um, you know, funnily enough, I actually tweeted when, when he said that he was being, I think he was actually released by ITV, but I think he was demoted. I think I tweeted, you know, this is a good opportunity for, for U.S. broadcasters. I, I didn't expect CBS to, to snap him up, but it just, it just shows the seriousness of what they're trying to do with all their analysts as, as well as their commentators. And I think Steve Nash, although the intentions were good, um, showed a lack of seriousness. I, I don't think I'm, I'm being too unfair saying that. I just, you know, the, the U.S. soccer audience is very loyal, very educated, and it's very passionate. And when they see Steve Nash, and not just that, you know, if you, I don't know if you remember, but the Champions League final between Liverpool and Tottenham, you had Steve on the sidelines, you had Steve Nash interviewing Trey Young one basketball player talking to another basketball player. And I saw that and I thought, this is just, this is an idea. 20, this was in 2019, I guess. I just thought, how, how is it that we've come so far in this country in terms of soccer coverage? And yet the biggest game of the year, arguably, or second biggest, talk about the Women's World Cup final, you've got a basketball player talking to another basketball player. So I think, you know, as, as we've said, it's night and day and Clive Tilsley is, is an excellent, excellent coup. It really is. I was going to ask you, Bob, you know, having Kate Abdo remaining with Champions League coverage going from Turner to CBS, do you think that was a brilliant move by CBS to also keep her as the main uh, studio host for these games? Well, I think it's good to have a, a, you know, a sense of consistency with soccer broadcasting. You don't want too many new faces, you know, and I think it helps with what they've done streaming-wise digitally. You've got Ian Joy, Jimmy Conrad, you know, people know who they are. Maybe some of the faces, you know, like Jimmy, you know, Jamie Carragher, Roberto Martinez, you would have heard of them, but you won't necessarily have seen them on your television mm-hmm. screen. So Kate Abdo, you know, she's not, you know, she was a, she started off, I don't know where she started off, but she was certainly in Britain for a while on Sky Sports News and then came to the States and has done Fox. Yeah. And no, I agree. I mean, listen. League. She's mm-hmm. multilingual. I mean, she, she's mm-hmm. excellent. No, absolutely. I have no problem with Kate at all. I, I mean, I've met Kate uh, when Fox Sports was having their World Cup uh, kickoff uh, party at the Russian Tea Room in Manhattan for, of course, the Russian World Cup in 2018. Uh, she's very knowledgeable. And, uh, you know, I have no problems with her being scooped up by CBS as well. And moving forward, though, good to have I have women. to say, good to have women you know, nothing... Well. Oh, no, absolutely. It's always great to have women on the broadcast. I have no problems. It doesn't matter who you are, what you are. As long as you're knowledgeable about the game, that's all that matters. And, of course, uh, they have Alex Scott as well as part of uh, the studio lineup, which is absolutely fantastic. But for those that don't know her, what do you know about Alex, Bob? I don't know too much. (laughs) I'll leave that one to Carter. (laughs) Well, we'll find out as the whole thing goes on. But I have to say... um, Cardick, to go back to what Bob was talking about, the final, you know, it's not just that Steve Nash was talking to another basketball player, you know, during uh, the championship game between Tottenham and Liverpool, but how is it possible that you go from one broadcast crew, from one one sports channel in England, and then around halftime, someone says, we made a mistake, we're supposed to have the other group, and then you went to the proper group you were supposed to have, and then it's another voice calling the final. I, I mean, how do you do that? As Bob said, one of the biggest finals in the, in the, in the football calendar in, in club tournaments. I mean, this was just inexcusable. 
they were amateurish at everything. And I also want to point out that uh, TNT returner had gained the rights uh, to uh, the Champions League for the 18 to 21 time period. They had gained those rights actually in early 2017, yet spent a year doing nothing. And then at the last minute, they were beefing up. They were trying to find talent. At the last minute, they were uh, launching a streaming platform, which we know never works properly for most people. I mean, that, that's another key difference. And, and I highlighted this in my article on World Soccer Talk, is that the, the, the difference in the two streaming platforms, that you can complain about things being behind a paywall, but at least if you're going to pay for a streaming service, it's going to work properly with CBS, right? But there, I, I, what Bob said is so right. There was a lack of seriousness. I would say from Turner the whole time. And that included production levels, amateurs production levels, amateurs mistakes. Uh, you could see, for example, since we're talking about the same exact coach, Kate, Kate Abdo, you could see how much more comfortable she was and assured she was in, this, uh, in these broadcasts on Friday and Saturday. And she didn't have some of the comical mistakes she had on Turner. She didn't have some of the clunky moments she had on Turner. That comes down, sometimes you know, we criticize Post, we can criticize commentators, we cr- criticize presenters, but it comes down to the production team around them. It comes down to the network they're on. And I think when you talk specifically about that mistake with Turner on, on the, uh, with the final last year, this is something uh, the broadcasters that have broadcast uh, the, the, Europe, the Champions League and even the Premier League and, and Bundesliga, you have options for different feeds. And I talked to NBC about this a couple of years ago, and they uh, were taking certain feeds depending on a matchup for certain matches. Like, for example, they made the decision, uh, and I, I was kind of horrified by this because he's one of my favorite uh, co-commentators, but they made the decision that for Arsenal matches, they wouldn't uh, put Stuart Robson to feed with him on. So they would, they would take another feed from Premier League Productions or from uh, IMG or wherever or from, from uh, Sky, uh, potentially. So they have this all mapped out. They know there are two or three different feeds for each match. Uh, this is the same case with the Premier League, Bundesliga, Serie A, et cetera, if they are not using their own native announcers. For some reason, Turner, having had this all mapped out, flipped the wrong switch in the biggest match of the year. I mean, and at that point, if you're UEFA, and I think this was a little bit of an out for UEFA also, if you're UEFA, you're concerned about your brand in the United States being damaged. When you see the professionalism that uh, NBC displays with the Premier League, that ESPN displays with Major League Soccer, uh, John Champion and Taylor Twoman, great commentary team. Uh, the, the seriousness in which uh, ESPN now is pre- presenting Serie A in the FA Cup. Uh, we haven't talked about it, but uh, ESPN's pregame show for the FA Cup final is one of the best things they've done uh, in soccer coverage uh, with Kay Murray hosting that pregame show. It's phenomenal. And UEFA's brand potentially, and Christopher Harris and I at World Soccer Talk have talked about this on a few podcasts, UEFA's brand was potentially being damaged in the United States by association with Turner Sports and the way they were covering the property. So I don't know what the financial hit was for UEFA that Turner opted out of their Mm -hmm. deal a year and a half in, but I think the marketing standpoint, the branding standpoint for UEFA, the credibility, whatever they lost financially, they'll make up because this is much better for them, a much better arrangement. But it I really is. And I, I, ahead, I don't think they lost anything financially. Um, from what I understand, um, TBS and Turner are combined paying that $60 million mm-hmm. for the re- remainder of this year and for next year. What we don't know is how that's split up. 
But I do believe UEFA is not losing out financially, although they have, you know, maybe lost out reputationally. But I think quickly it's been brought back. Mm -hmm. I agree. I I really do agree. I think everyone knows that, you know, (laughs) there's nothing UEFA can do. They just have to throw a bid out. Okay, who has the better bid? Who is going to be the one that's going to take their 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 signature championship uh, tournament in in club football? And who's going to make the best magic? Who's going to make the most magic out of it? And sadly, Turner just could not make the magic that UEFA thought they could do. And like you said, Cardick, it, it's just it went absolutely horribly wrong. They assumed that they were going to make it no problems. Uh, they basically did not even look at the calendar to see when they're going to start. Oh, my God, we need to get uh, uh, talent involved now. Now we have to find the talent to go and do these uh, studio shows. And, Bob, you're right. I don't think UEFA is going to lose any sleep, or they're not going to lose any uh, – they won't be damaged by this at all because Turner is the one that made this error. Turner's the one that didn't really – take it seriously enough, even though they did try to, it just wasn't good enough. And I have to say this as well, Bob, is that where do you think CBS has learned, not just from what Turner's mistakes were, but do you think you have people who used to work at Fox and also NBC and ESPN, are they also producing uh, for CBS probably to show, well, you know, if you make it simple or the KISS method, as we call it here, Keep it simple, stupid. Do you feel CBS has, you know, followed uh, that suit? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, when, when you're a broadcaster and, or, you know, in television, no matter what sport or, or genre, you know, you, you look to your rivals. You, you see what works and, and what doesn't work. And, you know, you can see with Turner that they saw a lot, a lot of things that didn't work. You know, and it didn't have to be this way for Turner. Um, you know, the Bleacher Report, brand is edgy it's popular it's hip and in the united kingdom bleach report does really good soccer stuff um it didn't have to be that way for turner so i don't know why there was such a disconnect between bleacher report and turner and to be honest i don't think turner's actually going to lose so much sleep over this because you know they've got basketball they've got baseball they'll move on which are much bigger properties for them but for cbs you know it's it's, it's a great new feature for them you know they're trying to grow the CBS All Access platform, and that's you know quite an important part of this. It's all about streaming. You know, a lot of soccer fans have complained that there aren't enough games on linear television. Well, you know, in this year it's difficult to get stuff to, on CBS, the main CBS network, and even CBS Sports Network because you've got contractual obligations to so many other people. But streaming is the way forward, and I think they've seen what ESPN. ESPN has done with ESPN Plus, and you know mm-hmm. you put you know Syria are they've got the Bundesliga coming up, FA Cup. You know you can have most of these games on ESPN Plus, but when you've got a free window, you can put them on linear TV. They've done that with the USL as well. So uh, I think the most interesting thing for me going forward is is how it works out for them streaming wise because they're trying to get build up. You know there's there's, there's a huge streaming war in the states. Um, and with Disney Plus and with Netflix and, you know, there's so many different OTT options out there. CBS All Access, they're trying to, you know, grow exponentially, both through entertainment and sport. Live sport is a way forward. We've seen this now with NBC and Peacock. They've put ex- exclusive Premier League stuff on there. They've got, you know, new streaming shows, uh, talk shows like Rich Eisen and Dan Patrick. So now, 
the key is building up a subscriber base. And, and, and we shouldn't really look beyond what they're doing on CBS Sports HQ or on linear TV. How can you slowly but surely get subscribers? They've done a monthly free trial, which will get a lot of people in. They did that for the NWSL. You've got to keep these people once the tournament is over, and that is, that's where the hard work begins. But they've got four years to, to keep doing this. No, I agree with you there. And, you know, I have to say um, I, I'm, I've been very, very critical on Bleach Report because I've known people who uh, try to uh, purchase Champions League matches or Europa League matches, Cardiac, and – they are disappointed because they couldn't go from match to match at the same time. It was two ninety nine, one match, one match only. It's like you had to have multiple web enabled devices or computers or laptops to maybe, you know, watch two or three games at once if you wanted to watch those games. You know, it was very frustrating uh, to see how Bleach Report just could not do the job. And Turner could not do the job of something so simple, yet they made it so difficult. Yeah, I, I think that that, to me, was a big takeaway. And I want to follow up on what Bob said. I, I think that's a great point about Bleacher Report as a site that covered soccer uh, in the United Kingdom for many years. Uh, we had all thought, or when I say we, for those of us who, who co- cover this stuff closely, had thought when Turner got the right, and immediately said that they were going to marry it with uh, the Bleacher Report uh, live platform that they were launching, that that would also mean they would be using the Bleacher Report writers and journalists that cover soccer closely on air uh, in the United States, right? The the Bleacher Report talent from from the U.K. They never integrated the one soccer asset they already had in place into their coverage, which was mind-blowing, really. I mean, they, 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 yep. they uh, had yeah. one thing that would have given them a certain degree of yeah. credibility among it, the, the audience, and they blew that. Now, in terms of the BR Live platform, um, that was never properly tested and vetted uh, for, uh, for, for this sport. So what it, what it ended up happening is they didn't launch the actual platform until August of 2018, right? And uh, – the, the, the Champions League began in September, or excuse me, July of 2018, and then the Champions League launched in August of 2018. So there were a number of bugs and kinks in the site that they never worked out. In addition, they would just throw yep. kind of random streams on, and, and of course you would, they would have this per-match purchase price, et cetera, uh, for them. They never produced those streams or, or put any layer of production over them. So it was wildly inconsistent. One of the things I've really liked about CBS this first week, even the Europa League matches, like today with, uh, with intern Bear Leverkusen, was the consistency, even though they're taking the world feed for some of these matches, world feed announcers, world feed UEFA production, they are putting a CBS stamp on the production. So everything looks and feels consistent from the product. And this is how we see ESPN work with Serie A, because they, sh- they only show one match a week generally uh, on, the, on linear television, although uh, after the restart they were showing the game just about every day to fill programming. But um, those matches you watch on ESPN+, Plus, same thing with NBC, uh, now with Peacock. The, the reality of what Bleacher Report and Turner did is there was a vast 
huge difference in how the matches that they actually showed on, on linear television were produced from what the things that they threw behind uh, their streaming, behind the paywall on their streaming platform, which, oh, by the way, they were charging more a month for uh, than CBS does. And CBS All Access, you get a library of in, uh, incredible things, not just in sports, but in, in news and, and dramas, et cetera, documentaries. Uh, Turner, you were basically buying a soccer package for nine ninety nine a month. No, that's not good at all. But I have to say this, Bob, um, with CBS, not just getting, you know, these people that have done it before in Europe, like Roberto Martinez and Jamie Carragher, Rude Hullett, Peter Schmeichel, of course, who has won his own Champions League title with Manchester United back in the day. But to get, as we already said, Poppy Miller, we already said he enjoyed, but we also got Thomas Rongen, who has been in Florida all his life, you know, with being sports and now with, you know, in CBS Sports uh, soccer streaming uh, information and discussion. Uh, Jeremy St. Louis, we all remember him from the Fox Soccer Report up in Canada, was also being sports. Now he's with uh, CBS Sports with UEFA. I mean, you're seeing people that American soccer fans know and feel comfortable with because they've seen these people before. They've watched these people before. They know what you're getting when you're seeing people, you know, on this side of the pond who are, you know, regardless if they're Dutch, they're English, or they're American, they're Canadian, you know who they are because they're familiar faces. Yeah, and, you know, they've, they've got a difficult balance to have because, you know, you have the studio in London and you've got roving reporters, uh, journalists, all over Europe, and they have a U.S. base as well. So how can they marry the two? So you have familiar faces that, you know, former players and coaches that everyone knows uh, in Europe, as you said, Rude Hullet, Peter Schmeichel, and so on. But then there's, the, you know, the familiar U.S. faces that we know. And it's good to see them, you know, hiring American broadcasters. I think, you know, I think a lot of American soccer broadcasters, you know, complain that they don't get enough chances um, because, you know, the broadcasters they like English voices um, European voices um, so to have these Americans you know doing the supplementary stuff it, it helps uh, and, and, and it's, you know, it's good for the industry and, and it's good for the fans as well to have these familiar American faces how you yeah. get these Americans to Europe no, you know yeah, when they really return does. I mean that's, mm-hmm. that's possible but who knows well, that's the next challenge, isn't it? Like when this whole tournament uh, edition of this tournament is over with, uh, you know, you have to worry about the next, uh, the next calendar year, 2021. And, uh, you know, Cardiff, that's the challenge with this pandemic, isn't it? It's what's going to happen and everything's been pushed back. And will things re- restart? Is it much better over in Europe right now than it is here in the United States? I know you were complaining about MLS um, restarting. Uh, that's going to start next week with their games being at locations at the regular MLS stadiums, obviously, um, you know, do we see uh, the champions league for 2021? I mean, there's gotta be some form of qualification that has to happen uh, for certain spots to be up for grabs, especially for those uh, nations that probably only have a half a spot and they have to win a full spot to go through qualification. Yeah, those are those, those matches have already started. Actually, the uh, this is the kind of the irony of this situation is that the 2020-2021 Champions League has already kicked off uh, with those prelim, pre- preliminary phases, single leg ties instead of two leg ties. 
which is different than they've been in the, in the play-in stage uh, as well. But I think for CBS, this um, has given Sean McManus an opportunity to kind of have um, talent in the shop window to where he can fine-tune, mm-hmm. and he and CBS Sports can fine-tune what they want to do next year. And Bob mentioned the, the, the dual studios, the London, they have roving reporters, and then they have a studio in, in Connecticut. Uh, and how they want those two to interact, I think, will be uh, will be important. What talent they want from each team uh, will be important. I think, though, on the commentary side, uh, getting Clyde Tilsley and Peter Drury, I don't touch that. I, I mean, that is that is even uh, when you talk about, let's say, ITV in their heyday of covering international tournaments. That's a green team lineup. So uh, what they do with the studio talent and and, and uh, presenters, et cetera. Maybe they can fine-tune that a bit. I think Roberto Martinez was very impressive, uh, which doesn't surprise most of us. Um, was very impressive in the studio. Friday, Saturday, Jamie Carragher, you know what you get if you've watched Sky before with him, and uh, he's quite good. Peter Schmeichel has been, uh, used to be on with Alan Hansen and Gary Lineker a lot on the BBC. He seemed on Friday a little out of practice, but Saturday came back strong. So they have a very strong team of London-based uh, analysts and, and uh, presenters, as well as Connecticut based. But for me, the most important thing is the match commentary. They have hit a home run. Uh, it, it is, I, I can't stress this enough, and I know Bob said it as well, how big a, a name Clyde Tilsley is and how big a name Peter Drury is. And Peter Drury right now, career-wise, is at the top of his game. So uh, they, they, they have uh, really brought coverage to another level in terms of match commentary with those two. And Bob, if I can ask you this, I mean, I know you've been in the States for a while now. Uh, how do you rate NBC, um, Fox, and even with ESPN? We all know how good ESPN is. Of course, you know, we're watching their content all the time. But from your perspective, you know, where do you think CBS is going to be in the, you know, first through, first through last when it comes to producing football coverage in this country, whether it be, you know, MLS, Premier League, Serie A, Champions League, everything that goes on uh, here in the States? Well, I I think near the top, um, certainly, you know, ESPN, Mm -hmm. they're a well-oiled machine. You know, John Skipper is a huge huge soccer guy. So, you know, they've been covering soccer for years now. NBC's Premier League coverage is consistently excellent. You know, they've got a, a well-structured cast. They've been there for years, and uh, people know them, and, and, and they like them. Fox is kind of slipping away. I mean, they're, they're giving up a lot of soccer rights. Um, you know, they just gave up the Bundesliga. Uh, they've given up uh, European coverage in, in recent years. A bit by bit, kind of falling away. You know, and they have, you know, Major League Soccer left. Uh, they picked up some CONCACAF rights, I think, mm-hmm. and obviously they've got the World Cups. But I think Fox is becoming a bit of a bit part player. They used to be one of the main players. Like, soccer was on all the time on Fox. But now it's kind of slipping away. I mean, is there an opportunity for CBS? I mean, yes and no. It depends how you judge it, because a lot of this stuff is going to be on streaming. So, you know, how many people are actually going to see this and be aware of it? The production levels are excellent, but I just wonder how much in their face uh, you're going to be, uh, they're going to be, and for how people are going to judge this. But what, what, they, what they may need to do is is just hire, is get more soccer content if if that's what they're going to go for. But I think 
what's going to be on mm-hmm. the, the main C- CBS network and uh, and CBS Sports Network is it, going to be limited. But obviously, when you have a full Champions League season and a full WSL season, I think then you can judge them a little bit better because it, it's just been a bit patchy at the moment, hasn't it? You had... Um, no, it really has. And Cardiff, you know, just to go to CBS for a second, um, you know, we all know that they cover uh, the AFC games uh, in the NFL. They do college basketball. Of course, they run uh, the NCAA Final Four. They also do the uh, the SEC Game of the Week in college football. Uh, they have tons of golf tournaments that they do as well. And then they do the uh, U.S. Open in tennis whenever it comes to New York City, uh, whenever it's on the weekend. Um you know, I think well, that, they, they, that's they, a big they, question they mark. They, have, they don't have the U.S. Open rights anymore, and they lose the SEC rights, uh, which will go uh, completely. The complete package will go to ESPN and, and ABC. There'll be the, the networking oh. that you've been getting on CBS. You'll get on ABC starting in uh, well, it may be the next season, right? We we don't know what the SEC is going to do with their with their season this year in college football, but CBS is effectively out of that. So I think that that's. And the PGA Tour is, is a big uh, big obstacle, but it's also been an obstacle for the Premier League on NBC. I mean, those da- dates that we see, NBC bump mm-hmm. uh, the, the matches that are on over the air, um, NBC, and, and, and bump those to NBC SN, those Saturday afternoon matches. Those are because of PGA Tour events. Um, and, and Bob mentioned earlier the uh, obstacles this summer for Champions League. They're, those are entirely due to uh, two weekly PGA Tour events the next two weeks, and then obviously the PGA Championship, which has been rescheduled from May uh, to, uh, to, the, to this past weekend, which is actually the weekend it used to be, by the way, until uh, two years ago. So uh, there was nothing unusual for me to watch the PGA Championship uh, on CBS in the middle of August or in early August. But, yeah, they have some openings now with SEC football going uh, by the wayside and, and with uh, – uh, uh, the U.S. Open, as I mentioned, has been off uh, CBS for a couple of years now. So basically, they've got the NFL. That's uh, untouchable, right? That's on su- su- Sunday afternoons. Uh, they have uh, college basketball, and they also have, you know, from a college basketball standpoint, they have a number of regular season games that they show, uh, mostly Big Ten uh, and ACC games. They have a couple of SEC games mixed in there. Uh, the Big East package is on uh, Fox, but I believe the Big East package might be moving. Uh, Bob might know uh, better about that, but um, I, I'm not—I don't think it's going to CBS. Uh, but there are openings on, on their programming um, schedule uh, on the main network, and CBS Sports Network does not have the array of programs that NBC SN has or FS1 or uh, or ESPN's uh, multiple linear channels. So this is why. Uh, specifically with the Champions League property and Europa League property, if you get CBS Sports Network, you will see a number of these games replayed in the middle of the night. So games that are exclusively on all access that you can only get live on the streaming platform in English, you can watch overnight. Uh, if, you, if you set your DVR on CBS SN, they will show a Europa League match a night. They will show a, a, a Champions League match, the, the game that they didn't show uh, on, on linear television. Well, actually... Uh, this week they're showing everything on all access. So all four nights they've got games they're showing overnight. So they have more more room in their programming schedule in general to accommodate soccer. But I think Bob is right. The, the big play is streaming. Everything in the industry 
is moving towards streaming. So um, fans who might complain that everything is behind the paywall and it's in stre- uh, it's streaming, and we're even seeing NBC go this direction with the Premier League with, with Peacock launching, they just better get used to it because that's the way it's going to be. I think this year uh, what happened with Serie A was prior to COVID, you were getting one match a week maybe on linear television. After the restart, because ESPN had to fill programming time and they had to meet some commitments to the two uh, cable systems that picked them up, they were showing more live Serie A matches. I would not expect that to be the case next season uh, if, if all the American sports leagues are playing. I would not expect the Bundesliga to get more than those four games that they have announced would be on linear television in, when they made the announcement um, last year. But, um, and I think from CBS, it's the same, same standpoint. I think it's basically a streaming play, but they have more openings in their program schedule than ESPN, NBC, or Fox. So you could see the occasional game be, uh, be moved uh, to, to network television, as we saw uh, NWSL get two games on CBS over the year. Uh, from the Challenge Cup, which was, which was quite exciting for soccer fans in this country. And the ratings were, were very good for both. Actually, were better than a lot of the MLS ratings we've seen on, uh, on over-the-air television. Bob, I apologize if I cut you off uh, on your uh, last answer before I went to Kardec, but if I can ask you this, um, when it comes to MLS, and obviously we know that, like you said, Fox is slowly getting rid of all their soccer content and uh, – um, we know that they have another World Cup or two to go here on their contract with FIFA, and obviously whatever FIFA does, MLS is with it. Do you see possibly MLS and maybe uh, CONCACAF tournaments joining CBS somewhere down the road? Because I'll be honest with you, uh, Bob, I don't trust Fox anymore like I used to in the past. Yeah, well, I don't think you're alone there. Um, so, you know, I don't have a definitive answer for you. I, I know CBS, they're looking to get new content for CBS All Access. So the question is, is it the right move for them? And whatever they acquire, I think those properties have to be happy with being primarily on a streaming platform because that's what, essentially what CBS is offering. And I don't think MLS wants that. MLS wants coverage, linear coverage, because it needs to grow the league. Uh, in a much bigger way. And uh, in the next round of studio uh, broadcast rights, I think the value is going to go up a lot. But I think what they will want is consistent linear coverage just to grow the league in the build-up to the 2026 World Cup. So I don't think CBS is the right platform for them. I think, and, I, I, and from Fox's perspective, if you are covering you know, the World Cup uh, and World Cup qualifiers, I think you need a consistent sense, some consistent sense of soccer coverage just to keep everyone fresh and just to keep everyone with the idea that it is a soccer broadcaster. So my gut instinct is that for the next round, it will stay with ESPN and Fox. I, but, you know, in terms of what other rights are out there for CBS, I'm not quite sure because ESPN Plus is such a powerful platform. But, you know, I, I think they will go for more, but in, I don't think MLS. Hmm. Yeah, we'll have yeah, to wait and see what's you know, going to happen down the road. On, but just, just on that point, I, and Bob mentioned John Skipper earlier uh, in our conversation. My understanding is the Zone has some interest in MLS in order to make their platform relevant in the United States, right? Because uh, <laughs> they've got virtually mm-hmm. nothing outside of uh, outside of uh, fighting sports in the United States, and they have a lot of soccer rights around the world. In fact, in Germany, they just secured uh, 
Bundesliga rights, which was quite surprising, mm-hmm. and, and uh, that was very good for the Bundesliga. They paid they paid a pretty penny for it. But I think Bob is right. MLS is not want, going to want to go with a streaming platform and limit their exposure on linear television. So while I've, I've heard from my sources that zone is interested in doing this and making a pitch to MLS, I think it would have to be really financially lucrative for them to do it, especially after the Flow Sports debacle burnt. Um, and I, I'm not comparing Flow Sports as a platform to the zone. The zone is obviously a much uh, better technology, but I think MLS is going to be gun shy about streaming. So I, I agree with that. And they're yeah. already streaming on ESPN Plus in a big way. Yep. Yeah, that's true. So I guess the question is, does uh, MLS go back to NBC? I think that's the big question mark. Or does Fox find a way to keep uh, MLS? Well, we'll have to wait and see when uh, we get uh, to that uh, fork in the road, gentlemen. So, uh, But overall, I-, I think CBS has done uh, – it's only been a couple of days, but still, though, I think N- uh, CBS has been spot on. And I guess somewhere down the road – um, this could be the only way that we're going to get uh, to watch sports is uh, through uh, streaming. I, I think one day uh, the satellite dishes are going to be uh, uh, obsolete, even though we still kind of need them for the signal. But who knows what's going to happen down the road. It's going to be very interesting to watch. So we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen. But uh, gentlemen, thank you for being on the show tonight. I really do appreciate it. I hope you have a very good evening. Please stay safe. Please be vigilant. Wear your masks, and I hope to see you all again soon. I hope to see Bob soon, obviously, if uh, they let the media inside Red Bull Arena, and we can <laughs> hopefully wa- – hopefully, Bob, we can watch some matches from the – not from the press box, because probably the players will be sitting there uh, you know, to uh, as a substitute and whatever, but maybe we get the luxury boxes at Red Bull Arena. We can watch it from there. I think that would be awesome. That would be nice. I, I, I can't wait to go to a live soccer game. It's been too long. Me too. The same here. And to you, Cardiff, as well. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Have a good night, and I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Carter Krishnar, World Soccer Talk, and Bob Williams from Sport Business as we talk about this fantastic uh, turn of events as the UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League are now on CBS Sports HQ, CBS Sports uh, the streaming service, the all-access service through CBS. And uh, right now, uh, it's an absolutely uh, fantastic uh, moment that we're seeing, and it's just a fantastic job by CBS. Night and day after what Turner has done, and let's be honest, they have made a mockery and a mess of this whole situation. But I want to thank once again to Carter Krishnar from World Soccer Talk and Bob Williams from Sport Business uh, being on the show tonight. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. And quick shout out to once again to One Soccer. To all my friends in Canada, it looks like that everything they're doing is going to be great and big. And I cannot wait to see and hear what they're able to do. If I can uh, access it, I would. I'll just go to my uh, colleagues up in Canada, of course, Kevin Laramie, Dwayne Rollins, uh, Sports Podcasting Network, and Soccer. Oh, and let's get ready to get back into MLS next week. Thank you. Take care. So long, and bye-bye for now.